So I thought that I was being punished by getting a full-time job, but it ended up turning into an amazing opportunity, an opportunity to use my talents and my skills. So as entrepreneurs, we have to stop getting caught up in where the money comes from. Because did it really make a difference that it was coming from a full-time job that turned into an independent contract? Absolutely not. It really didn't make a difference. I used that as an opportunity, a stepping stone to really build my company. All right, we're back to another episode of Live Your Truth Now. I am your host, Mike Ligori. And I'm Katie D'Andrea. And today we have a special guest, but I'm not going to introduce her. Katie is because it's Katie's friend. And I talked to her a little bit before the show. Love what I got to know. So looking forward to this interview. But Katie, the floor is yours. Renee, Renee, Bob. So good to have you on this show today. We're honored to have you and excited for this conversation. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. So to kick off this really informative tactical, inspiring conversation, I wanted to give you all a quick view into who Renee is and how she shows up in the world. She said she sent me a short bio and this woman sent me over a page bio because (laughs) she's that damn amazing. Yep. (laughs) I'm just going to read off a couple of things that Renee does and then we'll get into the conversation. So Renee Bob is an authority in the field of self-publishing and small business development Her company is called Renee Bob Training, and it's an empowerment training and development firm specializing in career empowerment, small business development, financial empowerment, and book publishing training. Renee is also the National Director of Training and Development for Bunker Labs, a national nonprofit that supports veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. That's actually how we know each other is through collaborating at Bunker Labs together in that mission. She manages the diversity, equity, and inclusion and leadership team. She also founded the Black Veteran Entrepreneur Workshop Series. Uh, Renee is also the owner of a semi-pro women's basketball team called the Music City Icons. Renee served in the Navy. And what else am I missing, Renee? No, you you got it all. (laughs) (laughs) She's my friend, my mentor, my teacher. I mean, Renee, you you do everything. So to kick off this conversation, I would love for you to share with our listeners about your journey. When you shared it with me, I think I listened with my jaw wide open because it's the story of an immense resiliency, strength, courage, vision. And so I would love for you to tell our listeners about what that's looked like growing up in Staten Island and the projects and being with us here today, being this entrepreneurial empire. Yeah, it's so interesting. Someone that I grew up with in Staten Island, New York, recently reached out to me on Facebook and they asked me, could I have ever imagined that I'd be where I am today? And I had to think back and say, absolutely not. You know, my mom and dad, very well educated. They're both graduates of Lane College, which is located in Tennessee. My dad was a research doctor. My mother was a teacher. So when, you know, when I was born living in New York, I mean, we lived in one of the most prestigious communities in Staten Island, New York. I mean, we had the best of the best. But then my mom and dad got a divorce and we went from, you know, the riches to rags. We moved into the project. 
And I had no experience or ever been, even been to a project before. And now we're physically living in the projects. And unfortunately, in that environment, I was so different because I had never been exposed to that before. And so the kids were kind of rough. But you better believe that I began to learn the process of how to adapt in that environment and then eventually learned how to thrive. I had a mentor that would come see me every day when I was in middle school, after school, and he would say, just because you live in the projects don't mean that you have to be a product of your environment. And he had a basketball with him. And so he was like, you're the tallest person in the school, including taller than my teachers. And so he eventually showed me how to play basketball. And I was able to use basketball as my tool to be able to escape the projects. And so then you found basketball. And I know you have a pretty cool history with basketball and then eventually owning a basketball team. You want to share that, what that looked like in high school and then eventually into the Navy? Definitely. So, you know, when I grew up in New York, I don't want to tell my age, but like I was the only female at the time, you know, playing against a bunch of guys which means it helped me to really develop my skill set. So I ended up being an All-American in high school. And then I got a scholarship to play Division I at Cheney State University in Pennsylvania. And then I had the amazing opportunity to not only serve my country and the United States Navy as a telecommunications operator, but I got a chance to play NATO basketball. So I got a chance to travel around the country and do what I love, which is playing basketball. And it's so interesting when you fast forward now as the owner of the Music City Icons professional women's basketball team located in Nashville, Tennessee. And what did basketball teach you, Renee? Because it seems like it's such a a strong foundation in your life from the time that you were a kid all the way till now. And then, you know, obviously we'll talk a little bit more about the ownership piece later, which I'm, I'm curious by on a personal note. But what did basketball teach you? It taught me that I can utilize my own personal talents and skills, that I can develop a skill and I can use that skill to change my life. So when I'm on that basketball court, even though I have my teammates there, you know, when I'm making the shots and when I'm in a newspaper, you know, those things help to elevate me to the next level. As opposed to, you know, most of us are raised in an environment where You know, you lean on other people to make things happen. And as a basketball player, I not only had to lean on other people, but I also had to develop my own skill set. So it's interesting when I got into the Navy and I went through boot camp, I had the hardest time. For some reason, I had an issue following direction. Because you need me. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) And the interesting aspect was that growing up in New York, you depend on self. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in the military, it's a team effort. You know, you have to be trained in order to be able to not only take care of yourself, but take care of your fellow soldier. One thing that I thought was interesting is you were an All-American in high school. And then you went and played NATO basketball. Now, when you're an All-American, and I am not an All-American by other means otherwise than just serving in the military, I would just consider myself an All-American that way. But I have friends who play college and pro sports, and they've always told me that when you play on the high school and the the high school level and you're an All-American, you're kind of like the man. You are the dude that you are – everything runs through you. When you start getting up into global competition, Division I sports – 
you being an all American in high school doesn't mean anything. Was there for you a shift moving from being an all American in high school and then realizing you're playing on the global scale of basketball that you're playing on that side? And if so, what was that shift that you had to make from essentially being the person that probably the offense was running through and then going into that type of environment where you're probably playing with people that are as good, if not better than you? Absolutely. And that's a really good question because I can remember when I was in high school, I have a brother that's one year older than I am. And we would get on the bus going from school back home and people would be reading newspaper. And then my picture would be in the newspaper. It's like a really big deal, right? I'm a star. And then to make that transition to where you're not a star, even in college, you know, there were so many women that were number one. I'm six feet tall. We had women on a team that was six, four. I had never seen that before, you know, and they were talented. They were more talented, more skilled, and they knew more about the game than I did. So that meant that I had to really step up my game and learn more. But I also had to make that shift that I'm not the star anymore. I need to play a supportive role, but also find my place on the team. That's good. That's really good. I love that. That's great. Nothing like some humble pie. Yeah. What you say? <laughs> I had this. I had a similar experience. I was a top athlete in high school, and I was known throughout the county and in the state for my sports. And then I got to Yale, and I was this like peanut rower. Yeah. <laughs> like, who the hell do I think I am here? Right? Like my teammates were six two. Mm. Right. But it was an interesting thing about like defi- redefining my narrative, and it's. It sounds like you got to do the same thing for yourself. It's like. When you realize that you're no longer the best at your sport, at you know, at your sport, in your craft, in art, or whatever it is that you identify with, like, what's your new rallying cry? What's your new narrative? And what's interesting is that even in boot camp, like, you know, I have, I'm so used to being a star, right, in high school and, and a little bit in college. But when I got into boot camp, I'm amongst so many other people and we're all on the same level. And so that was another part of my challenge is that, you know, I want to stand out from everybody else, but my company commanders did not figure that out. But eventually, after I got into so much trouble in boot camp, they gave me the R word, which is responsibility. Once they gave Renee responsibility and gave Renee a role, oh my goodness, I just began to shine. You know, I began to really excel at a totally different level. So again, I had to be true to myself and that helped me to realize that I am a leader and I have to be in some sort of leadership role. If not, I will wither away and perish. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you say, find your truth. Because you've said that to me before. Like, Katie, what's your truth? Like, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be doing? And it's a huge part of what you do at Bunker Labs. It's a huge part of what you do in your consulting and your coaching business. How do you recommend people do that? If you're like, if you're listening, you're like, what the fuck is she talking about? Yeah. Like, I mean, where my, do you start? And, and, and so my mom, you know, she would say to me, like, Renee, what's wrong with you? You know, wh- why do you have so many jobs? Like, <laughs> when are you going to pick one thing and stick with it? And so what I explained to her is that the more things I try, the clearer I am about the things that I love to do and the things that I don't like to do. 
So mm-hmm. 90 days is my window where I'll stick with something for 90 days. And then after that, I'm able to see whether it's something I need to pursue or something that I need to get, you know, not do. And what's interesting is that sometimes individuals, they may be really skilled at something, but they don't truly love that thing. And so the secret is how do you line up the thing that you're skilled with, with also the thing that you're passionate about as well. And when mm-hmm. those two things come together, it is amazing. You know, Renee, you said something earlier, and I love how you I love how you talked about passion and skill, but you said something earlier about leadership. And you do a lot of work with entrepreneurs. And I wanted to ask you this, that for a lot of entrepreneurs, they're not just entrepreneurs, they're solopreneurs. They're running their own business. They're in charge of their own ship. If we were to use the analogy of a ship, they're the captain, the first mate, and the crew. So how do you lead when there is only you on the boat? so to speak? Yeah, that's a really good question. And so I've been in that situation. When I made the transition out of the military, I started a career consulting firm, you know, working with other military individuals, helping them to make the transition as well, helping them to find a job. But after doing that for a couple of years, more and more of them really wanted me to help them start their own business. So I began to learn everything I could about entrepreneurship. And then I began to teach and train and educate people around entrepreneurship. So the one thing that I had to recognize and tap into were the many abundant free resources that are available. And so I tapped into mentors at SCORE, mentors at the SBA, Small Business Administration, mentors at the SBDC. So I took some time to really do a deep dive to identify what are some of those resources that are available that I can tap into. But most importantly, I had to create a list of all the things that I'm really good at and all the things that I really need some help with and be willing to let go so that I can grow and outsource those items, whether it be to an intern, a volunteer, or hiring a virtual assistant once I had the money. But I had a mentor, um, Wallace D. Wattles, you know, um, an amazing, 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 amazing entrepreneur. And then reading his materials, he always said that you have to do what you have to do to get to where you want to go Make the money so you can eventually hire others to do those things that you don't desire to do. So I had to recognize that I'm not going to always be in this situation, but I had to be crystal clear. What are the things that I love to do? What are the things that I don't like to do? And be willing to outsource those things, let go so that I can grow. And how do you know when when is the right time to let go? So for me, it's always been money (laughs) when I have the financial resources to be able to hire someone. And then when I'm crystal clear about my systems, which means I have a system in place for working with my clients, a system in place for securing contracts and opportunities. Once I have my systems in place and I've got them running on a machine, it's now time to bring somebody in to be able to help me to run those particular things that I'm doing. To give you a wonderful example, I recently secured a contract with Tennessee State University where I'm gonna get an opportunity to go into the college, virtually of course, and teach these students how to get their financial households in order and entrepreneurship as an option to really helping them to reduce their student loan debt. And so now that I secured that one opportunity with the school, I hired a virtual assistant to start calling other schools to pitch the same opportunity. 
now that I secured that one opportunity. So you see, it's a system. I, I, I wrote mm. down everything that I did to get that contract. Then I'm hiring someone and outsourcing it. Mm. And then I think this is interesting too, because the way you go about it is very strategic. There is like a lot of thought. You can tell that you've probably spent a lot of hours, probably some of those in the middle of the night too, burning the midnight oil, thinking about like, how am I going to do it? How am I going to make ends meet, right? And a lot of entrepreneurs go through that. Something that we touched on before the show, and I want to definitely give you a chance to share your passion with this specifically. We were talking about abundant and free resource, and you had mentioned to me that with Black entrepreneurs. And so... For a lot of people, I think entrepreneurship is very difficult, but there are challenges within different races, different creeds, even sexual orientation with business owners as well, that some people don't have the same access to resources as other people. And I would love for you to kind of touch on, maybe give the audience just a little bit of a rundown specifically with some of the challenges and some of the opportunities that Black entrepreneurs have to give into the entrepreneurial space. And we all know that small businesses are the backbone of this country, especially the economy. But I would love for you to share with just our audience some of these challenges and, and, and kind of what, what we should be aware of, everybody should be aware of, and then also maybe anybody in our, in our audience that is an entrepreneur that is looking for access to these abundant and free resources that you have found. I would love for you to share your wisdom on that. Super interesting to hear more. Definitely. So back in 2008, unfortunately, I got caught up in a recession. And, you know, during the recession, 95% of my revenue was coming from people. And so when individuals started having problems, guess who else started having problems? I started having problems. And I made a commitment at that time that never, ever would I have just one customer that was feeding me every day, every week, every month, every year. So I created a system to diversify the revenues, where they're coming in from individuals, corporations, nonprofits, right, and small business owners. And so I looked at what I was doing as an entrepreneur and how do I market and advertise to secure those particular opportunities. And so you fast forward to today, you know, I've really been able to build a very successful company by making sure that I'm diversifying those revenues. So back in 2008, President Obama had a stimulus package, very similar to what we have going on right now, where there were nonprofit agencies that received funding to be able to help people that were dealing with financial issues. So once I found out that there were these nonprofit agencies that had the funding, I sent them a proposal. And I said, I am someone that have dealt with some financial issues, I have figured out a system on how to bounce back financially, and I can teach people my system on how they can actually, you know, use their talents and their skills, you know, create some products and create some systems in order to be able to get their financial household in order. So I sent out seven of the proposals. I ended up winning four of the seven contracts, and they contracted me to come in to do seminars. And then they purchased a copy of the books that I have written for each of the individuals I was going to work with. And then they also contracted me to do one-on-one coaching with those individuals. So you see how you can turn one thing that you're doing into multiple streams of revenue, but you can also diversify the type of customers that you are actually looking to tap into. 
So from that, I began to do a lot of research, even today, on grants that are available. I am the recipient of the American Express Top 100 Black Women Entrepreneurs, and I received a $25,000 grant to use the money to be able to help my company to grow. And so I take those systems and I show other people how to do the same thing. And so I'm so grateful for Bunker Labs. They allow me a platform to be able to show these, you know, Black entrepreneurs, you know, one thing, I'm creating a safe space for them to feel comfortable to talk about their challenges and their issues as Black entrepreneurs. Number two, I'm providing them with some of the resources that they can tap into. But most importantly, I'm showing them a system on how they can a, they can be able to diversify the way money's coming to them. Because sometimes we operate in the box, and in order to change things, you have to get outside the box. And I give them that platform to be able to do that. That's good. Renee, you, and through our conversations, I'm so grateful to have had access to your thinking, your super creative approaches of Katie. Like, okay, you have this offering. Who else can you pitch that to? Or like, how can you pitch something else to the same client and, and retain them over time? And you really provoke my thinking about sustainability and longevity. And so for that, thank you, because you have made me a much more creative and savvy businesswoman. Question I want to ask you is around money and money can be, it means so many different things to all of us. And I'm curious, like, how have you approached your relationship with money? I imagine it was pretty difficult during the recession. And if you could share that advice for our listeners on how they can repair, heal, and flourish their relationship with money. Definitely. And so during the, when everything began to fall apart during 2008, you know, I had to put the mirror up to myself and I had to look at myself and say, Renee Bob, as a single mother with two kids, how in the world did you end up in this situation? So was it the recession? You're absolutely correct. I blamed it on the recession, but it wasn't really the recession. Was it a failed marriage? I blamed it on my husband, but it was a real <laughs> failed marriage. It was being a good steward over the money that I had received. You know, that was the root cause. And then the recession and the divorce, all of that was piled up on top. But once I looked in the mirror and I was willing to take responsibility, I began to research everything I could about getting out of debt and increasing my income. And not only did I begin to research it, I began to put a practical plan in place. And that's the one thing I love about the military is that they teach you about being strategic and actually creating systems. I created a system. And as an entrepreneur, I had to put my pride to the side and I had to go get a full-time job because I know crystal clear that when you have a consistent source of revenue it will begin to solve your problems. It's so hard to be creative as an entrepreneur when you're so worried about paying, you know, taking care of your lights and your water and so on and so forth. So I was able to use that as an opportunity. You know, so the job that I ended up getting was with a company called Operation Stand Down, which is a nonprofit agency that worked with military veterans that were actually going through financial challenges and they were homeless. So I always say God has a sense of humor because here I am going through the same thing and I just got an amazing job doing exactly what it is that I was going through. 
And what I was able to do with Operation Stand Down is I was able to offer them my financial literacy mm-hmm. classes, my book publishing classes, my career development classes, and then it opened up all these different opportunities. So I thought that I was being punished by getting a full-time job, but it ended up turning into an amazing opportunity, an opportunity to use my talents and my skills. So as entrepreneurs, we have to stop getting caught up in where the money comes from. Because did it really make a difference that it was coming from a full-time job that turned into an independent contract? Absolutely not. It really didn't make a difference. I used that as an opportunity, a stepping stone to really build my company. Renee, that was awesome. That was such a great segment. I love that. I have a fun question that I want to ask you. So you were talking about stimulus earlier under President Obama. So I'm actually going to ask you a stimulus question. So we're on our third round of stimulus. It's a big package. Small businesses, I've told some of my friends, Katie and I have even talked about PPP for a lot of small businesses. I got a first round of funding for my company and it definitely bridged the gap and did a lot to keep me going. But for a lot of people who maybe aren't entrepreneurs, $1,400 is a lot of money. And if you are an entrepreneur, that's also a lot of money. So if you had a check right now, and that $1,400 gets deposited in your bank account today, as a business owner, what are three things that you would do with that money to help grow or create a source of revenue for your business to build that future that you were talking about earlier? That's a really good question. So number one, I would do some research to identify, are there some things that I can do with that money where I'm able to double the money? And then is it possible for me to quadruple the money as well? So is there things that I can do within my own business, right? Or my own talent, my own skill that I can actually turn into an entrepreneur opportunity. The second thing that I would do is kind of do some research and find a mentor, someone that has already taken those resources and figured out a way to double and then quadruple those funds. And what's so interesting is that nowadays we have the biggest mentor in the world, which is YouTube, which is the, you know, which is the internet where you can actually do some research where you can identify these are some things that I enjoy doing. If I had some financial resources, I can sow some seed into it and actually turn it into a profit. And then the third thing is something that I did. My son is a student at the University of Alabama. You know, what's interesting is Gary graduated, which I'm so excited. He'll be going into dentistry, but he's also an entrepreneur. So eight months ago, he started a clothing line. And in less than, I mean, eight months, he generated revenue, $10,000 with his clothing line. So is it possible that I take my $1,400 and I invest it in his clothing line so that he's able to get more inventory, but also I'm able to get a return on that investment? So I didn't really have to do anything besides find someone that has a great system, a great product, a great service that I trust and believe in, you know, sow that seed into what they're doing. And that's my way of actually doubling and possibly tripling my revenue. That's so interesting. I think entrepreneurs think of investment only within themselves, right? Like take that money, build my own business. Why would I go build another business? Or what they do is they would probably, a common practice and something that I do is I put money in my retirement account, invest in stocks and ETFs and, you know, diversify from there. 
but it's interesting that you as an entrepreneur, even though you have a, you have kin, right? Like, you know, your son's going to be a dentist that, and you're also his mom too. I'm like, moms, moms and dads are always good banks. But you know, if you, if you think about that, you approached it from a very much like a, a, an angel investor type attitude where you're saying, I have this money and I'm going to put it in there and I'm not doing it because he's my son. I'm doing it because he's already created revenue. So this could be an opportunity for me to take that $1,400 and maybe four exit within the next 18 months. Um, do you think entrepreneurs need to embrace more of that angel type investing? And if so, um, where do you suggest that they look to create more of those opportunities that are outside of their business? And so I, I just want to make one clarification. We have a contract. Mm, and okay. we both signed the contract. So I yeah, love see, that's that. That's good. a smart that's... mom, smart business woman over here. Yeah. Mom, bank of mom. Bank of mom's not right. stupid. Yeah. No, no. And we signed a contract, which means I'm going to get a return on my investment. <laughs> with that. But, so I just want to make sure that that's crystal clear, that you have to find a platform or find an entity that you really do trust and you really do believe. And again, the wonderful thing about being on the internet is that there's a lot of great like crowdfunding platforms and you know peer-to-peer lending platforms that you can tap into. But what I strongly recommend is tapping into something that you believe, something that you support, and then maybe even a product or service that you currently use. So then it kind of makes sense that you understand it, what you're investing in, that you're going to get a return on investment. And please promise me that you will do some research, that you will spend your time and really research to make sure that whatever you're investing in, you know, is something that's going to be here long term. I had a wonderful conversation uh, with a young lady, 16 years old, 18 years old. She's a um, senior in high school. She's an entrepreneur and she created a platform for helping other teen entrepreneurs. And she's doing a crowdfunding campaign. And so the platform that she was on, you know, I recommended a different type of platform where she's able to get more resources and more support. But her parents really invested a lot of money into what it is that she's actually doing. And she wanted to be able to make sure her parents got their money back. And the way that she was doing it is through crowdfunding, which I thought was so amazing. Renee, one thing I've learned a lot from you, and I watched you growing your different businesses. You have such an expansive, gosh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like you have, you, you are really good at maintaining the different streams of your businesses and keeping an eye towards the future. So for those that have more of a myopic view of business and how they're supposed to operate, how do you, what would you recommend for people to practice or take on so that they can work on their business as well as in their business? Because most entrepreneurs work in their business and they lose sight of the periphery and the horizon line. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I remember way back when, you know, I had a full schedule of speaking engagements. You know, my products are selling. I'm also pregnant with my son. He was scheduled to be born on December 25th. Can you believe he came December 5th? Mm -hmm. But I had a lot of things already lined up because he was supposed to come on the 25th. But thank God I actually had some systems in place. I mean, I had some individuals that I was able to lean on. I had a key man at the time someone that had been trained to do exactly what it is that I do so that if anything was to come up or happen to me, 
I was able to have that person in place to be able to help me while I'm going through, you know, having the baby and so on and so forth. So fast forward to today, I still use those same systems. I still look at different ways that I can train others to do what it is that I'm able to do so that I'm able to duplicate myself on a larger scale. Unfortunately, on November the 11th, Veterans Day, I end up getting COVID and I was down for 17 days. I was sicker than I've ever been ever. You know, when I went to the emergency room, I asked the doctor to check me like 10 times because I couldn't believe that me of all people, the healthiest person you know, (laughs) end up getting COVID. So, you know, for those 17 days, I was down, but my company made more money than we ever have in history. And it's strictly because of the systems. And with systems, it takes a lot of trust. So I had to take a step back and I had to write out everything that I do to run my company. And then I had to feel comfortable and trust to have good people around me that I can train them to do what it is that I need to do so that the company is running, whether Renee is doing it or not. And then also I think about legacy. When it's all said and done, what are the things that Renee can create can create that can continue to feed me every day, every week, every month, and every year? And that's why I believe that entrepreneurs should look at creating informational products that they can sell on the internet that you created one time and it's feeding you over and over again. But it takes a lot of trust to feel comfortable, you know, training people and hiring people to kind of be able to step in, you know, when something happens or when you're ready to kind of step away. You know, an entrepreneur has to to feel some kind of way where, you know, one day I'm not going to physically be doing all these things that I'm doing right now. What is my exit strategy? And then they get so caught up in saying, it's my baby. Yes, your baby is going to grow up and leave you one day. And that's the goal. You want to be able to create a legacy, create those systems, and look at your exit strategy so that you can begin to maybe focus on another business that can actually begin to you know, create you some additional revenue. When you talk about legacy, what's on top of mind for you? What do you think about on a day-to-day basis? So when I was going through my, my challenge back in 2008, once I got out of my situation, I began to go back and volunteer in the community in Nashville and help as many homeless people as I can, teaching them about how to get their lives in order, and then also working with military veterans that were dealing with financial issues. I didn't know that somebody was watching me and they nominated me for the Tennessee Titan Volunteer Quarterback of the Year. Mm-hmm. And so Matt Hasselback was the quarterback at the time. And, you know, I was against in the state of Tennessee some of the top individuals. I ended up winning first prize and the Tennessee Titans gave me $10,000. And keep in mind at that time, Renee Bob could have used that $10,000, but I took that check and I gave it to a nonprofit agency that works with homeless individuals, including homeless veterans, because now I'm legacy building. So of course I could have used that money, but they took that money and they built this amazing computer lab where now I have some place that I can go to teach them computer skills, how to pull their credit, how to apply for a job. That is legacy building. 
And in this computer lab, they put this beautiful photo of me, right? So now if I have grandchildren, great, great grandchildren, they can physically go to and see the legacy that was created with just one act of kindness. That is legacy building for me. That's amazing. That is that is so amazing, Renee. Gosh, that is just so cool. Well, congrats to you and, and such honor to you. We have about, I would probably say another six minutes. And I know there's a lot more you got to say for the, for us, which is just is really good. But I would I would love to ask you one final question, but I know Katie's got another question. So I will ask mine after she asks hers. Oh, good. Renee, I want to acknowledge you for having a really beautiful ability to have foresight. And foresight is ability to predict into the future. It's not vision, but it's to use data from the past to be able to inform your next strategy, your next tactic. And then with greater foresight, and it, it enables you to take greater risk. And that's how you show up in my world, Renee. It's just like you have, it's like you're almost like a spider with all of your little legs everywhere. Or I don't even know what the metaphor I'm trying to use is, but like you have so much foresight. It's freaking fantastic. And if you were to recommend to our listeners, like how to have more foresight, are there questions they should ask themselves, diagrams to use to be able to see more clearly into their life and then their work or practices that they should adopt? Yeah, so it would have to be the latter, the practices that they should adopt. And the practice should be, number one, spending some time, some quiet time, so that you can kind of get crystal clear about what your next steps are. Also, I strongly believe in reading. You know, I spend at least an hour a day reading something that's going to help me get to the next level. Mm. And I read books about entrepreneurship, building wealth, and professional development. Um, Also, be mindful that you will always be working on you. You know, personal and professional development is not just a one-and-done thing. It's something that you will always continue to work on. And then my secret, secret, secret element, this is a secret element, is that I really surround myself with people that are smarter than I am, that are making way more money than I am. And then I look for opportunities to serve. By me serving them, they are so willing to serve me by giving me great information, great resources, so that I don't have to make the same mistakes that they've made. I'm going to make my own mistakes. But then I also make room in my schedule to do the same thing, to spend time giving back to others just like others have given to me. The last and most important element would be looking at ways that you can diversify. I mean, there are so many different things that you can do. And when I'm working with entrepreneurs, I will often have them to make a list of who are your customers. Your customers could be corporations, could be the military, government, nonprofit. I mean, individuals. And then looking at ways that you can actually create value for those individuals and solve a problem. If you're able to solve their problem and create value, you'll be able to actually really build a system and really build a successful company. And you were talking about, Renee, and and this is, I just, I feel like sometimes, I feel like I'm talking to Oprah right now. I really do. Like, and and I swear, I'm just like, man, this (laughs) Renee is Oprah. 
Like she really is. But you know, one of the, <laughs> and one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is one of like two questions I actually had for you. So you were talking about, you've been talking about diversification a lot. And I think that's such a important topic for us to just as a society as a whole is, and people who want to create wealth specifically, that's something that people need to really consider and think about is not being so concentrated that it's okay for you to do 20 different things. It's okay to have 20 different ways that money comes to you. And for you, diversification wise, you are also an owner of a semi-pro women's team. We hadn't talked about that all episode. And I was fascinated by this. What got you into the sports world and into it basically being an owner in the sports world you don't hear a lot of times that you don't hear women owners of sports teams. So it's something that you don't see every single day. I would love for you to share a little bit about how you started this team, or maybe have you got involved with the team as the owner? And what's it like for you to be sitting at those tables, having those conversations about maybe the direction of the team or the direction of the league with your value and input that you bring from your career? Yeah, that's a really good question. And when I made the transition out of the military, I forgot to mention that I also tried out for the first WNBA team at Madison Square Garden. And unfortunately, I didn't make it. Those girls were amazing. (laughs) And I didn't make it. And so, you know, fast forward like four years ago, I was teaching an entrepreneurship class And there was a young lady that walked in. She was six foot one. And we started talking about basketball. And she talked about the fact that she had played on a team in Nashville, but the team had fell apart. The owner actually, you know, he's a parent. You know, he he has children. He has, he's a wife. He's in school. I mean, he had all this stuff that he was doing and he could not manage the team. So she wanted me to meet, meet him. And so she set up a meeting. I met with him. And he didn't want to have anything to do with the team. So I ended up acquiring the team and I ended up rebranding and changing everything and naming the team, the New City Icons, did all the recruiting, got players, and then built these relationships with like the WNBA that gives me three slots every year where I'm able to take players to the combine, where they're able to try out for that opportunity. And to date, I've had six players that get contracts to play overseas. So my Mm -hmm. my goal with the basketball team is I really wanted to build opportunities beyond basketball and give athletes a second chance at a basketball career. And for these women, I do so much more than just basketball. We actually help them with their resume and find a career. We pull their credit and have them to do, you know, a, a credit, go through a credit repair class if they need to. We really look for opportunities for them to transition once their basketball career is over. They get hurt, they get injured. You guys all know about these many professional athletes that they get hurt. And then three years down the line, they're broke, but they were millionaires. So we make sure that we prepare our athletes that they have a backup plan to the backup plan to the backup plan. So I love the opportunity to work with these these athletes. And what's interesting is that, you know, I can remember being at an event here in Nashville And I was the only woman of color at the event, about 200 people there. I'm sitting at a table. We're going around the table and we're and a lot of men at the table as well. We're introducing ourselves and we're sharing what we do. And then when I said that I'm the owner of the Music City Icons professional women's basketball team, the man asked me, well, who's the owner? It's like, I'm the owner. You should have Mm. seen their faces. It's like, why why can't they imagine or envision 
you know, a, a woman of color owning and operating a basketball team. And that's why I always try to let my light shine to show other little girls of color that you can do, be, and have anything that you desire when you put your mm-hmm. mind to it. And you have to be willing to do W-O-R-K. You have to do the work. It just doesn't happen by osmosis. And for some reason, they see the image, and you know, social media has really messed things up, where they see the image and they think that you could just do this, wake up one day and do it, but it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of sacrifice. And again, having good people around you to mentor you to success. So it's no surprise that Renee's amazing. Right? That facts. Like, That's facts. Fact yes. Life, right. Whether you want to call <laughs> yes. her her own version of Oprah or the get shit done lady or a basketball team owner. I mean, you do so many things, Renee, but you're also human. And so I'm curious to see what's one thing that you're struggling with or that you're working through yourself on a personal level or a professional level. And how are you going about that? So one of the challenges that I love, love, love to travel. And of course, you guys know with the pandemic, all the travel has been limited, but I figured out a way to still be able to to drive. And I'll go to places like Destin, Florida, where I'm able to do what's called a reset. So one of the things that I inherited from the military was a 90-day window. And some people don't know about the 90-day window, but when I was in the military, every 90 days I was traveling and going someplace different. So it became a part of who I am. And so when Renee is not traveling, Renee's a nutty person. So I had to create a system so that every 90 days I'm doing something, I'm going someplace, I'm traveling, you know, maybe I can't fly there, but you better believe that I'm actually going to drive there. So one of the challenges that I'm dealing with now is that I've got to go ahead and and get this this vaccine. And because I had such a horrible experience with the coronavirus, one of my mindsets I have to shift is, am I going to have the same type of reaction that I had? And am I going to be down and out? So even though I have systems to take care of it, your health is everything. That's right. And so it, that that is the thing. It's like, is my health, am I going to experience the same type of, of reaction? So I've been doing a lot of mindset work, a lot of emotional work, you know, a lot of cleansing work to get rid of any fears that I have, because you know that what you think about, you unfortunately bring about. Hmm. So much to marinate on that one. There's this, there it is, because I love to travel too. And I, and I feel your pain there, especially, and I'm a big international traveler too. So I definitely, when I hear you about not getting on a plane and not going to the places that you want to go, especially what we have in this world, you said something about a reset, and this will be my last question before we wrap it up. And we have a fun little, quick little segment that we like to do at the end of the show. Before we were also talking about, speaking of the pandemic, you know, Renee, we were talking a little bit about you know, the repositioning with the reopening. And you were talking about entrepreneurs specifically have to start thinking about that as the world is opening up. President Biden came out, you know, at the time of this episode, President Biden came out and said, you know, if everybody gets vaccinated, we can all celebrate July 4th, like we normally do. And that's paraphrasing. It's not a direct exact quote. We in business look at everything in quarters, as you know, And so quarter one, as I had mentioned to you before, was kind of 
you know, wiping the sweat off your brow and saying, thank God 2020's over. I don't have to deal with it anymore. That was the worst year of my life. For some people, it was amazing. It was the best year of their life. Some people totally indifferent. Quarter one's wrapping up. We've kind of gotten our feet, we dipped our toes in the water. We're kind of getting back into the swing of things. There's optimism on the horizon. But quarter two's coming up. And quarter two is usually when you start kicking it into high gear. If we were to use it for, you know, in the sports reference in basketball or football, you know, first quarter is you're all just trying to figure out how the other team's playing. You're all really just trying to figure out what offense are they running? How do we shut it down? You make adjustments. And Q2 is quarter two is where you start kind of turning up, turn it up a little bit for entrepreneurs out there, or maybe just people who are kind of have a side hustle or something that they're, you know, they're maybe they're tired of working that normal job and they really want to get this revenue stream going. What do you suggest in terms of focus that people should be looking at with quarter two in the theme of the repositioning with the reopening? I love that. I may have to steal that one. Repositioning with the reopening. So one of the things that I highly recommend is spending some time doing some research and identifying what are some of the big opportunities that are going to be happening as we begin to open up. The second thing is be willing to reinvent yourself. A lot of the things that you've done in the past prior to the pandemic some of those things are not going to be the way that they were. In the, I mean, the world is so different. So you have to be willing and open to reposition yourself to doing some things differently. And then, of course, that third thing of what I've been talking about throughout this whole interview is diversifying the ways that money is actually coming to you. Like platforms like Fiverr. I mean, you have a skill set that you can actually put on Fiverr and possibly put your skill up there where people start looking for you and start tapping into what it is that you actually do. But you've got to figure out a way to reposition yourself and reinvent yourself. And um, another thing that I highly want to recommend is use YouTube. There are some amazing videos out there where you can hone in on one skill set. So one of the things that I did is that I began to look at, you know, in the year 2025, what's going to be hot? What's going to be needed in the marketplace? Then I also looked at from that list, what do I do or what can I do today to put myself in position to take advantage of that opportunity? Do you want to know one area that's going to be hot? Online training. I'm already doing online training, so how do I beef it up more to take advantage of those opportunities. And the last thing is get a grip on your money. You know, if you have apps on your phone that you're paying for that you're not using, you know, if you're currently in debt, you know, sit down and do some research and put a process together so that you can begin the process of getting out of debt and begin the process of really creating some wealth. And then finding those mentors, again, maybe a financial planner, that can help you to be a good steward over those finances so you'll have money for long-term, not just for today, but long-term. That was amazing. Renee, you're just bringing the heat today. I love it. That's what this show's all about, just fire after fire, and we're just going at it. So, Renee, you are quite the all-star. I am very honored to have you on the show. And in the spirit of the show, Live Your Truth Now, Katie and I started doing this for no other reason other than why not? 
We just didn't have like an agenda for it. We just kind of started doing it. And it's been cool. So we wrap up every episode with one thing that we learned or one thing that we want to share. So Katie, one thing you learned or want to share? Mm. One thing I have learned from Renee is the importance of having a plan, having systems, spending time with yourself to think through the challenges that may arise, time to be creative and and find your truth and find like, how do you want to show up in the world and define that and using that as your insurance net for being able to flow. So if, if you know where you, where you're going, you can be flexible in, in which road you're going to take to get there and be flexible in shifting that destination. So Renee, thank you so much for teaching me that. And it's something that I hold in my business that I practice for my coaching business, my consulting business. Um, and it's a lot of things I've learned from you. So thank you. Welcome. Excellent. All right, Renee, you are up. Oh, so one thing that you'd like to share. Yeah. One thing that you think if anybody could take something away from the show, let's just say I listened to this whole entire podcast and I have no idea what you said, but there was one thing that I want to take away. What would that be? It would have to be, it doesn't matter where you come from, that you could really be a self-study and you can actually acquire the talents, the skills, the resources to be able to create the life that you desire to live. The second thing would have to be, you know, many, many, many years ago, someone called me Oprah Jr. And Officially here decreed I am today. Oprah Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I've come a long way, baby. Yeah. I <laughs> love Oprah that. Oprah Jr. Though. Yes, Oprah for entrepreneurs. I love that. All right. And mine is going to be diversify not just your money, but just your skill set. I think it's really important for everybody here to understand that concentration and focus is great. And you definitely need that. But you also need to think about ways to spread the love and spread your skill set and also spread your wealth. It's really important that this time right now, it has been easier than ever to make money. There are so many opportunities for everybody there to make money. And I think mindset's a big thing and how your relationship is with money. But most importantly is, is that Katie and I have talked about doing self-limiting beliefs and removing those for people. And money is something that is very common for people. They go through this whole you know, narrative around, I don't deserve money or I should never have it or I have to work my ass off all the time, 24-7 just to get it. And I think it's really important that when you talked about diversification, Renee, I think it was just so interesting about diversification doesn't mean being a hundred million different things. It just simply means like start thinking outside the box instead of working within the box. So I want to thank you, Renee, that this was so great. I mean, I took a ton of notes. I wish everybody could see me. I have like all these like I probably went through a fourth of like sticky pads that I have right here, but you, you've been wonderful, Renee. Thank you so much. We'd love to have you back on. And for everybody listening, Renee, where can they find you to get more of Oprah Jr.? Please tell them. Hey, <laughs> they can visit me online at ReneeBobTraining.com or on Instagram under Renee Bob Training or Facebook under Renee Bob. That's perfect. So we will put those in the show notes. And once again, you're a total rock star. Thank you so much for spending time out of your day to talk to us. And for those of you tuning in, thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please follow us on Apple and Spotify and also share this episode with your friends and family. And 
I'm Mike Ligori. I'm Katie D'Andrea. And we will see you next week.